1: artificial
2: arm. are you saying that i killed my wife are you saying that i crushed her skull and that i shot her
3: Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. We have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That will give you a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in this area. Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball.
0: Go get him. Hi hey guys, welcome back to the Tragedy Cinema Podcast, episode 46. Today we'll be discussing The Fugitive. The I'm your fugitive. host Jimbo, and yes, yes, this is not a ghost. This is not a, um, I don't know what you want to call it, this is not a mirage. We actually <laughs> have found, not. I had to send out a special request to Tommy Lee Jones to go out and find him, but here he is. <laughs> you going to say something? Or yeah, it? hello, it's me. Who's Terrence. who's me? Okay, oh okay, now we know who you are. So Terrence has finally decided to join us back up again. So he's had some rough go-arounds lately, so but he he came through this week. Well, for at least this episode. <laughs> uh, you know, he's kinda like uh the groundhog. He comes out, sees a shadow, and he goes back away for like a year. Uh so yep, the fugitive. We were supposed to cover this about a, a month ago, a month and a half ago or whatever, yeah. right after Lost Boys, I think. Uh so but yes, he's back. So, Terrence, I'm not going to let you get off without a question today, so we're going to throw this out here. What oh, would you say is your top two favorite Tommy Lee Jones movies?
1: Ooh, top two favorite Tommy Lee Jones movies. Men in Black, for one. The first one? Yeah, the first okay. one. Um, the second one. I would say this. His, his acting is incredible in this. Right. Like, and, I, and I'm thinking think go Tommy Lee Jones movies, and I'm just like... The other, the, the, this one just really stands out,
0: right? I, I think he does an outstanding performance. but I, but one that I'm always going to be partial to is when he played Two Face. Oh <laughs> in <Batman>. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It, you know, the thing about those Batman movies, they were so over the top, comic book looking that they were perfect. You know? Oh yeah, I love it. I mean, it, it fit
1: the sort of you know bombasticness of the comics at the time. You know? And right. I, so yeah, it, it worked.
0: So. There you have it, Lieutenant. Let's just go ahead and jump right into this. It's been a while.
1: It has. Uh, All right. So, The Fugitive, release date, August 6th, 1993. Its budget was $44 million. Uh, The box office, it made $368.9 million. Uh, This movie runs at about two hours and ten minutes. This was directed by Andrew Davis, who also directed some two two other movies that... um, are notable that he also directed were holes and collateral damage.
0: Holes, man! I haven't seen that movie in love years. Holes,
1: man! All right, so uh, writing credits goes to Jeb Stewart, screenplay. Uh, David Tohey, screenplay and story. Uh, Roy Higgins, characters, and then we also have uh, additional uh, writer contributions to Robert Mark Kuman David N- Newman, David Gleer and Walter Hill uh, also contributed to the script. Then, uncredited, we have uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Andrew Davis, who also contributed to writing on the script. Uh, we have the technical specs, which is uh, this is in Dolby Stereo for four channels, so you can get all around the living room sound <laughs> with this one. Um, camera Panavision, uh, camera and lenses. Uh, laboratory was in Astro Color Lab, Chicago, Illinois, so that's pretty rare. It's not. Too often we see uh, films edited in uh, Chicago. Right, it's usually uh, out west. Exactly, yeah. Uh, which is where it was also edited uh, for The Prince, which was Technicolor Hollywood USA. Aspect ratio, 1.85 by 1. Uh, so that's a new interesting ratio. Um, then we have film length, uh, 3.577 uh, meters in Sweden. Negative format, 35 millimeter, also horizontal. Uh, process Processes, Spherical and Vista Vision for the effective shots. Um, there's a lot of really interesting and I, I think uh, incredible cinematography, and you'll see later in the awards um, how they were recognized for that. Uh, then we have uh, the cinematographer, which was Michael Chapman, and this was edited by Don Broshew, David Finfur, Dean Goodhill, Dov Honing, Richard Nord, and Dennis uh, Vickler. Production company. Is uh, Colespin Entertainment. I don't
0: think we've heard of that that's a, either.
1: That's a new one. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just the first time we've mentioned production company mm-hmm. in general. So we actually had a production company to find with this one. And uh, this was distributed by Warner Brothers. All right. The Now off to the... Awards. So, uh, we have the Academy Awards, USA 1994. Uh, It won an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Tommy Lee Jones. Then we have um, the nominations for Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Sound and uh, Best Effects and Sound Effects Editing, and Best Music Original Score. We have the Golden Globes, USA 1994. They won a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in a Motion Picture, Tommy Lee Jones. You're going to see that a lot. <laughs> uh, they were also nominated for Best Director in Motion Picture, Best Performance by an Actor in Motion Picture, uh, Drama, obviously Harrison Ford. Then we have the BAFTA Awards, 1994. Uh, they won BAFTA Film Award for Best Sound, which included uh, John the Hugh Bruce Stampler, Becky Sullivan, Scott D. Smith, Donald O. Mitchell, Michael Herbick, and Frank A.
0: Maneto. Can I just say you're doing an outstanding job on the names today? Some of them I know I got wrong, but I'm just blasting through it. <laughs> but also, I do believe that is that is like one of the few times that we've actually mentioned a woman's name in the awards, too, that I can remember. Maybe outside of wardrobe, you know what I mean? Oh, no, there's been a handful in both writing, uh, editing. Uh, so go ahead
1: and give me a few. Oh, I know not off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that kind of memory. <laughs> All right. Uh, then we have um, they were nominated for uh, the BAFTA Awards: um, Best Actor in Supporting Role, Best Editing, and Best Special Effects. Then we have the 2020 Awards in 2014 uh, nominee. They got a Felix for Best Sound Design and Best Film Editing. Did you say a Felix? Yeah, that's what the award is called. It's called the Felix. Hmm. Then we have the American Cinema Editors USA 1994. They were nominated for Best Edited Film Feature. Now off to American Society of Cinematographers USA 1994. They were nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Cinematography in Theatrical Releases, uh, Michael Chapman. Um, so it's not too often that you know you see uh, cinematographers sort of um, highlighted, but. I thought it was cool that there's a whole award ceremony for it. Uh, then we have the a, uh, AS Cap Film and Television Music Awards, 1994. So they won for Top Box Office Films, uh, James Newton Howard. Excuse me. Awards Circuit Community Awards, 1993. So they were nominated for a lot of things. They didn't win anything, but they were nominated for... Best Actor in Supporting Role, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, Best Visual Effects, and Best Original Score. It's so the cool. score has been mentioned a lot. It is a really good score. Um, unfortunately, at least not yet, hasn't been mentioned um, in winnings. <laughs> uh, then we have the awards of the Japanese Academy. So 1994 nominee for the award of Japanese Academy for Best Foreign Film. Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, 1994, winner of Blockbuster Entertainment Award. uh, Favorite actor, action, on video, Harrison Ford. Chicago Films Critics Association Awards, 1994, nominee for the uh, CFCA Award. We have Best Supporting Actor, Tommy Lee Jones, Best Picture, and Best Director cinema audio society usa 1994 so we're seeing a lot of new interesting uh, uh awards right and you'll see the one i chose to do a little background <laughs> on <laughs> so winner the cas award uh for outstanding achievement in sound mixing for feature films that's donald o mitchell uh, michael herbrick frank o manato and scott d smith um uh for re-recordings and the production mixers uh, Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics Association Awards 1994, uh, nominated for Best Picture. Directors Guild of America USA 1994, they were nominated for Outstanding Directional Achievement in Motion Pictures. Edgar Allan Poe Awards 1994, they were nominated for Best Motion Picture. Uh, now we have the Golden Rooster Awards 1995, and this is the one that I decided to do a little background <laughs> on. Cockadoodle do. Uh, and it's really interesting. So they got their name because when it when they first did these awards in 1981, it was the year of the rooster, and hmm. that's why they call it the Golden Rooster Awards. Um, this uh, award recipients basically got a giant golden rooster, um, and the, uh, the people who selected uh, the you know the winners and whatnot. Uh, were a jury of filmmakers, film experts, and film historians. And this is basically the equivalent of the Academy Awards in China. Hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. It's so also it's a, it's a lot bigger than, I, than well, I thought.
0: not only that, but you would think that we would have seen some of those awards already with some of the movies we've covered, if it's like the Academy Awards over in China.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I also think um, that you know, you're also comparing... You know, foreign films. So that's everywhere around the world, and I, I'd imagine that you know uh, we're competing with um,
0: right. But here's what you need to realize: I found this, and I was going to throw it in somewhere, but this is the perfect spot to throw it in. Is oh, yeah. this was the first American movie shown in Chinese theaters in over forty years. Audiences accustomed to local movies were blown away when they saw it and became a huge hit over there. So oh, wow, okay, over, it was the first movie in forty years that had been in China. Well, that explains everything, You're right? <laughs> So maybe that's why there haven't been any awards over there since then. Because well, that, it's uh, you know only been out
1: since 1981. So, you, but what you I'm saying is, was... if,
0: if this is the first time something has been shown in the over oh, there in yeah, 40 yeah. years, then it wouldn't matter when it started. 93 was the first time that a, yeah. a U.S. movie has been shown over there.
1: And that was 95. So that well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So that's almost like almost 10 years the awards went on before uh, an American film uh, got right. an award. It's very interesting. Then we have the Who Films Awards in
4: 1995.
1: <laughs> Way to <bump> that. <laughs> the winner of Outstanding Translated Foreign Film. So I imagine this is uh, another uh, award ceremony that's somewhere overseas. Um, Kansas City Film Critics Circle Award 1993, uh, winner for Best Supporting Actor, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, another winning Best Supporting Actor, Tommy Lee Jones, and the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Awards in 1993. Then we have the Motion Picture of Sound Editors, USA 1994. They were nominated for Best Sound Editing Visual Effects. last couple ones, we have the MTV, MTV Awards, 1994, Oh, man. Remember when they did that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember when MTV used to actually play music videos, I know, (laughs) right?
1: Uh, Winner MTV Award for Best On-Screen Duo, Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Best Action Sequence um, for the film on the uh, uh, the scene with the train wreck. Mm -hmm.
0: We'll talk a lot about that here in a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: They were nominated for Best Movie and Best Male Performance, Harrison Ford. Uh, National Society Film Critics Awards, USA 1994, uh, they were nominated for Best Supporting Actor, obviously, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, it tied with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, at 19, that, which came out the same year, uh, and This Boy's Life. So it's interesting to see what they tied for in uh, nominations. Mm-hmm. Then we have the New York's Film Critics Circle Awards, 1993. Best Supporting Actor, Tommy Lee Jones. And then finally, the PGA Awards, 1994. Uh, nominated for Outstanding Producer of Theatrical Motion Pictures.
0: All right, so let's there, go. there's a
1: lot. I mean, there was a lot of awards, nominations, but there was definitely a lot of uh, winning of awards. So but you know, I
0: mean, this just, is, that goes to show how good of a movie this, this is, is. One of the movies that I actually read the book before I watched the movie. This and I think mm-hmm. Robin Hood, mm-hmm. Prince of Thieves. Those Very two, nice. right? So, but but I remember when I read the book and I saw the movie. This was almost. Exactly to the t of the book, which I thought was amazing because oh, nice. it usually doesn't go that way. Or oh, the yeah, book's sure. usually better. You know what they I mean? They always
1: take some liberties somewhere,
0: right? So the cast. Um, so when we get to this part, there's going to be some people playing certain parts that were tried out or one they wanted, and we'll see what you think if they could have pulled it off, Terrence. Hmm. So of course, Harrison Ford, yes, Han Solo, <laughs> <to> played <laughs> Doctor Richard Kimble. Are you ready for this list? Let's hear it. Kevin Costner.
1: Hmm.
0: Yes or no? Do you think you uh, could yeah, have played
1: it? Kevin Costner.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: <laughs> I did it to kill that, my wife. <laughs> that would have changed this movie completely. And then we'd be having a different conversation, I think. Uh, Michael Douglas.
0: <laughs> Michael Douglas. That would be an interesting That one. would be interesting, yeah, for sure. Michael Keaton? Oh, yeah, for sure, Michael Definitely. Keaton. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alec Baldwin, he was actually the first choice. Really? Play, right. Hmm. But I don't know if I could see. I'm I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. if uh, well, Richard, then, Richard when Gere? I, when I
1: imagine an Alec Baldwin, I think of now Alec Baldwin. I don't like think of like 1993 Alec right. Baldwin. You know?
0: <laughs> uh, what about Richard Gere? I think he could have it. I Richard done, Gere, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges. See, so once again, i got to
1: think about a younger Jeff Bridges. Right. I, can, I can see, you know what? Yeah, I can see Jeff Bridges. What
0: about Al Pacino?
1: Al Pacino. I think he can pull it off. He's a very dynamic actor. Uh, he's done so many different.
0: This goals. one, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve, yeah. Uh, so this was pre. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, right. accident, right? Uh, I could see that. Uh, Mel Gibson.
1: I'm just. <laughs> going to... <they're> stunned. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just gonna say, let's be like.
0: I, I'm of two minds
1: of this. A, I'm. He could probably have pulled it off, uh, especially around that time. He was in a lot of you know big movies. Um, but B. Glad he didn't. <laughs>
0: uh, and the last one, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. They said, but he was tired of making action movies, so he's like there. Nah. I did see that. Uh, so we had Tommy Lee Jones as the Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard. Um, here we go. Gene Hackman.
1: I can only see Tommy Lee Jones.
0: <laughs> John Voight. It's, like it's. Oh, man, see, like, you said you could only see now. Now you're like. And the other one was Mel Gibson, so he must have tried out for both of them, or.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm really glad they went with Tommy Lee Jones because it's just phenomenal in, in that role.
0: cell uh, Ward uh, played Helen Kimball. Joe Pantoliano, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I Terrence did, but uh, he was the deputy deputy U.S. Marshal Cosmo Renfro. Andreas Katsulas as Frederick Sykes. Uh, Jérôme Krabe, as Doctor Charles Nicholas, um, or Nichols. Actually, uh, Richard Jordan actually filmed some of the scenes with Harrison Ford before he became too ill to carry on. So the oh, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, Daniel Roebuck as Deputy US Marshal Robert Biggs, Tom Wood as Deputy US Marshal Noah Newman. L. Scott Caldwell as Deputy US Marshal Aaron Poole. Johnny Lee Davenport as Deputy US Marshal Henry. Julianne Moore as Doctor Anne E. Annie Eastman. Uh, Ron Dean as Detective Kelly. Joseph Kosala as Detective Rossetti. Uh, Jane Lynch as Dr. Kathy Walland, uh, Dick Cusack as Attorney Walter Gunthry. Andy Romano as Judge Bennett. Nick Cersei as Sheriff Rollins. Eddie Bo Smith as Copeland. Neil Flynn as a transit cop. Richard Reel as an old guard. Kirsten Nelson as hospital secretary. David Darlow as Dr. Alec Lintz, Frank Ray Perl as corrections officer. And Lester Holt. Yes, the dateline lester hold wait a minute he played a newscaster (laughs) oh it's actually him it really is Uh, so uh terrence would you like to give a synopsis off the top of your head off the top of my head uh man gets
1: accused of murdering his wife and then goes on the run while pursued by a ever so tenacious yet by the book police officer
0: right so we'll, we'll go ahead and let's just go ahead and give an overview of the movie before we started this so um Harris Ford plays Richard Kimball. He's a doctor. Yep. And he's they're at this gala and he wins a prestigious award. You know, or uh, his wife's there for this prestigious, this big gala for yeah, whatever. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. remember what it was. Um, so you know, they go home. You know, uh, basically uh, they're driving home or they're driving back and they and they're saying, hey, they get a call and say, hey, we need you to come into work. And he's like, no. And he's like, well, you know, there's no, they're going to die if you don't get here. So yeah. He hangs up. He's really upset. So, you know, you see him in the operating room, operating or whatever. And um, basically, he gets home. And uh, But see, the thing I like about this is they don't... They leave it wide open at the beginning. They really do. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, so, basically, he gets home. His wife's dead. Uh, you see him getting charged for the murder. Uh, but you don't know what's going on right now. And uh, he gets... Uh, they're transferring him from this prison to another maximum security prison. Uh, the bus, uh, the, uh, some convicts on there, uh, basically stabs or, you know, shoots a couple of the guys. The the bus comes to a resting stop on a train track. A train's coming. Harrison Ward jumps off with this other guy. And now they're, and, uh, they're on, he's on the run. And they call in the U.S. Uh, Marshals to come in. This is where Tommy Lee Jones come in, uh, Samuel Gerard, And uh, they're basically manhunting Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford, this whole time, has claimed he was innocent. So now he's, um, he's really crazy because he's going back into the city that he was wanted exactly. to prove his innocence, uh, to find the person that killed him. Because he says a one-armed man did it when he was wrestling with him. And Tommy Lee Jones, and it's a great. If you haven't seen this movie, man, it's it's one of my probably top ten favorite movies of all time. Just because it's it starts off and it doesn't stop. It's just total nonstop movement, action it's all across.
1: Very well paced, very well done.
0: Right. So, um, like I, like we were talking about the opening scene, like um, it's just giving you like little pieces. Like it'll 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 show him like at the at the uh, party, and then it'll show him uh, like his wife getting thrown around the room, yeah, and yeah. and you
1: don't know what's going on, and. Uh, it's giving you snippets of kind of what's going on, uh, which they elaborate later, which is uh, a really, really great, uh, worked out well in this movie.
0: Right. Uh, and you know, the part that always gets me is, um, Richard's coming home and his wife's on the phone with 911. Yep. And this is what basically, this is what basically puts him away because, uh. He's uh, she's on the phone. I wonder, like, she's she's like, help! They're trying to, he's trying to kill me, and they're like, "Who, ma'am? Who's trying to kill you?" And he, in her voice, you know, Richard, you know, because she hears him coming up the stairs. It's not that Richard's trying to kill her; it's that she's trying to warn Richard. He's still here, basically. Yep. And the, then the guy hangs up the phone or whatever, you know what yep. I mean? And then there's a big scuffle, and, and Harrison Ford or Richard Kimball, basically knows it's a one armed man because when he was wrestling with him, it popped uh, like the prosthetic out of his yeah, joint, it popped off, right? So that opening scene and then it, then it goes you know they go to the court and they say well let's hear it from your wife's own words from the grave yep. and they play that recording of 9 and basically that's the, pretty much science pretty- still delivered yep. you know what I mean um so here we go we'll talk a little bit about the, the fun stuff um When Harrison Ford's running through the woods, he actually damaged some of his ligaments in the, in the, in the, uh, as he tripped or fall, he damaged some of the ligaments in his leg. Oh, dang. He refused to take surgery until the end of filming. Oh, geez. So that his character would keep the limp the rest of the movie. (laughs) So any scene after that, when you see him running, you can always see him. about keeping calm. You always see him, like, kind of stumbling, you know what I mean? And I thought it was just acting, but it's actually, he's hurt. Um... Harrison Ford was the first actor to sign on the film in September 1992 and personally agreed with Andrew Davis directing the film after seeing Under Siege in 1992 and being very impressed with the results. Nice. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to cover here, but there's certain things I, want to, I got grouped together that we'll go back and talk. So we'll be jumping around this movie for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, when the police are interrogating Richard Kimball, remember they got him in there and they're interrogating... It was yep. all improvised. He didn't know what questions were going to be asked from him. You know, I mean, he didn't want to know, you know. So when he said yeah. there, you know, he kind of got that dazed... Um, like Harrison Ford though. and Tommy Lee Jones improvised a lot of their scenes, they said. Um, Harrison Ford and the producers over- argued over if he should be sentenced to death or if he should be life in prison. Yeah. Uh, they filmed it both ways, they say. Huh. Uh, but in the end, the producers won out, so... Uh, Harrison Ford shadowed doctors at the University of Chicago Medical Center to prepare for his role. He said, it allows you to move and act as if you've done things a hundred times. Hmm. That's,
1: he really, uh, invested in his role.
0: Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you need to do that. And so it doesn't oh, yeah. look like, totally stupid. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a doctor complain, wouldn't do that. You know, Richard Kemp, Dr. Richard Kemp. Because it is based a on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to some of that is here it? in a little bit. We'll get to some yeah. of that here in a minute. Um. Here's one thing I forgot to throw out when you were going through. This was the, um, as of 2017, this was the um, biggest number of uh, film editors nominated uh, for the Oscar with a total of six editors. Usually it's only two or three. Yeah, yeah. But this was also the fourth highest grossing film in 1993. So I'm going to give you the top five, so, but this was number four. Number yeah. one was Aladdin because Disney is the king. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Two, Jurassic Park. Okay. Yeah. Three Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Fourth The Fugitive. And five Schindler's List. What a group of movies right wow. there! Wow. All That's in 1993. Like just... There was some other stuff like Hot Shots Part <laughs> you know? I feel like
1: we've covered another movie in 1993. We did. Where we we're like, there's so many good movies
0: out. Right. Yeah. Um, the credits run over the first 14 minutes of the film. So if you're watching all that stuff, the, yeah. you, that, I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, because sometimes when they show the credits, you're not really paying attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, it loses their thing. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones used to argue uh, that his character, uh, being concerned for the welfare of innocents around him, would never fire after Kimball inside a crowded building such as the courthouse. The dispute caused a brief delay in filming, but the director finally convinced Jones to do it as scripted. Tommy Lee Jones, from everything I've read, he... Was very influential, or he wanted things done a certain way, and he would—he was not opposed to telling them <laughs> you know yeah, what he wanted. Yeah. Which um, I found in an interview, I probably put it in here at the end, and I found one with Harrison Ford when they're talking about the fusion. So I'll probably put them at the end that way um, we don't have to cut and copy and paste and all that. So um, according to Harrison Ford, the studio was not happy with the beard. They figured they paid for the face they wanted to see, so they were concerned about the the beard. Uh, um, exactly. Which which I think it was perfect because when he was going on the run, he shaved yeah, it off. You know exactly. what I mean? It worked out. Uh, the filming began before the script was actually completed. Huh. that uh, actually happens a lot. Um, right. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. Uh, here it is an NBC nightly news anchor. Lester Holt is one of the reporters outside the hotel at the end of the movie. But Harrison Ford has never seen a single episode of the television series, The Fugitive. Which the film is based on. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. Terrence probably hasn't seen an episode of it either. Uh, so. No, I have not. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people. Uh, the weather was so cold, the crew filmed some of the scenes that Tommy Lee Jones recalled that the batteries on the camera kept freezing. Oh, geez. The screenplay spent five years in development, going through nine writers and 25 different drafts. That's a, well,
1: I'm not surprised about the amount of drafts. Like, especially nowadays, you, uh, scripts in the writing room will go through. No one keeps tracking, right?
0: But what, you that you movie go, we covered so before—remember where they start writing something, yeah. and then somebody comes in and they they nicks half the script, and then somebody else comes in and nicks half. You know what I mean? So yeah. nine writers is crazy. Um, the river was so cold that the crews kept uh, hot tubs of our tubs of hot water um, off camera to keep Harrison Ford warm. Um, the location of the dam. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit too. Um but the dam using the exterior shots is the Chioa Dam, uh Topoco, Graham County, North Carolina. The hmm. dam can be viewed clearly from North Carolina State Highway one twenty nine just north of Tapoco. So that's interesting. I'd like to go visit that sometime. Uh the uh, um, Davis, the was he the director? Is that what you said? Director? Andrew Davis, yeah. yeah. Uh they said he tried to use uh avoid using artificial light whenever possible, which I think it worked in this movie too. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. I mean that that that's um, there's a lot of different directors who who try to accomplish that. But it, during certain movies and certain scenes, it's just really difficult to do without. So, but the right. fact that he pulled it off is, is great.
0: Right. Um. After the movie came out, the Hilton offered tours to show where the movie was filmed. Oh, that's cool. I'd, I'd love to do it. Um. Think they still do that? The I don't know. Hmm. I'm sure somewhere. Maybe. Maybe a little town that they filmed in, you know what I mean? Uh, the I Don't Bargain speech Gerard gives to Newman after rescuing him from being taken hostage was written by Tommy Lee Jones. Jones did not like the way it was written in the script and, and the, thought it didn't sound natural enough for a conversation between the two men, both coming down from a drone rush and one of which is, was shell-shocked would have. Director Andrew, Andrew Davis agreed and let Jones reword the dialogue as he saw fit. Hmm.
1: So there's where that writing credit
0: goes. Right. Uh, with well, that's just part of it. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? I'm
1: sure he, he voices his opinion on various amount of things.
0: Um, L. Scott Caldwell, who is Marshall, Marshall Poole, and Daniel Robuck, Marshall Biggs, both portrayed castaways on Lost, the TV show. Uh, Caldwell played Rose Nadler, and Robuck played cranky science teacher Dr. Leslie Arts. Hmm. So, Good all Lost. Right. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in a second. So... You see my notes. I got them spread all over the place. <laughs> like, not like normal. Um, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones only share four scenes in the entire film where they exchange dialogue. The tunnel and the laundry, on the phone, and in the car. So that's pretty crazy for this. Here's something I,
1: I found uh, uh, when I was looking at the movie. In the end, originally, um, there was supposed to be dialogue between uh, Dr. Kimball and um, the sheriff. But uh, they decided it was best to have no dialogue just mm-hmm. because it, it felt more impactful and it just said a lot more than actually trying to say something, which I agree. It's a very, very good ending.
0: Right. And and the ending, what I thought was really cool about this ending was when they Tommy Lee Jones finally, you know, Harris Ford, they walk out of there and they get in the uh, the cop car. And he leans over and he unlocks his handcuffs, you know what I mean? And and he gives him some ice to put on his hands or whatever. So I think he finally realized, hey, he really didn't do it. You know, and he was just trying to prove his innocence, even though it was his job to find him. Yeah. Because he was convicted in a court Uh, of law. Yeah,
1: the the end definitely showed this, like, respect between the two.
0: Well, we'll just park right here for a second, but... Um, even though he didn't kill his wife, he broke a ton of laws. So he's still going to have some repercussions (laughs) after this. It's not like, Oh, he's going to be a free man or whatever. No, no. Because I mean, let's say he, he did what he stole, uh, the clothing. He broke into the house. He broke into the medical, the hospital into the different things and all that. So I'm sure he's going to catch, catch a case or two. (laughs) Yeah, something, (laughs) um, here we go. Let's see. Um, at the start of the film, like we talked about, the various flashbacks to the murder do not show the one-armed man. They leave open the possibility that the doctor is indeed guilty. Unlike in the television series on which the film is based, they actually—it's um, only after the doctor escapes do you see the flashback com- uh, confirm- confirming his version is true. Which, uh, if you remember, when he's in the woods and he falls over yep. and he starts having them flashbacks of like his uh, wife, you know, and it's—it's it's just very well put together. It had oh, me. Yeah. It kept me entertained. Um, in real life, after having proven he was not guilty of the murder of his wife, Richard Kimball would likely still face. Oh, here we saw about the uh, among crimes of robbery, identity theft, forgery. Um, he would not be uh, automatically for his, you know, forgiven. Yeah. Um, this is rated U, unrestricted public exhibition in India. Huh. This is one of the few action films where Harrison Ford doesn't kill anyone. That's true.
1: <laughs> I going to say, think. yeah, almost everything he kill somebody. That's very
0: true. um if interesting. You, if you pay close attention, um, in the background, you know, you see different things that point to Harris Ford. Like, uh, yeah. there's a Ford truck, and there's also the Harrison Hotel, so uh, they put a little play on the words. That's funny. Um, the real Dr. Kimball lost his medical license and became a um, professional wrestler. And his finisher was the mandible claw, as portrayed by Mick Foley.
1: <laughs> so well, I thought,
0: I thought what that's a crazy. career change. I yeah. you, know, you can't be a doctor. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You know what? I think I'll be a professional wrestler. I right. always wanted to do that. So let's talk about a couple <laughs> of scenes in this movie that stand out. Number one, the probably the biggest one is the train scene. Yeah. Um, the the wreck train and the bus remain a tourist attraction still in Dillsboro, North Carolina. You want to take a road trip? Let's do it. What well you gotta take a break, Terrence? <laughs> I gotta pee. <laughs> Alright, we're back. Terrence has uh, came back. Looks a lot better now. going <laughs> to do the dance. So let's see what are we talking about. We talking about the train. Yeah, weren't the train we? and the bus. Um, Andrew Davis only had one chance to crash the train. Oh. And he had to get it right. So he consulted an array of engineers, stunt doubles, and the insurance company to predict what would happen. The train was expected to crash into the bus at 35 miles per hour, but the director was in error. The train came in at 42 miles per hour. Oh, no. Nevertheless, <laughs> the scene went directly as planned. I was like, can you imagine? Dang. You have the insurance company and everybody standing by. Well, nobody needs to get hurt. It's only going to come at 35 miles an hour. but Not that quick. Right. Okay, that was a little quick. Um, the train was actually crashed for the movie, although Richard Kimball jumping free was a uh, computer-generated image oh, yeah, jumping yeah, over there? Um, this was this is the part that I thought was interesting. It proved to be cheaper to use full-size locomotives at around twenty thousand dollars each, rather than creating the crash scene using miniatures. Huh. As the budget was quite tight, it was impossible to rehearse this key scene, and it was a one-shot deal. So, I'm thinking at twenty thousand dollars how many trains it was like five, six cars? More than a miniature set, you know? That kind of blows my mind. How is a miniature set, like, way more? Unless you had to have a special camera and film and all that, you know, to zoom in and all that. But it it was awesome. Uh, Like I said, the train scenes were filmed in Dillsboro, North Carolina. The engine used, which was not destroyed, now pulls a dinner train. During a ride on that train, props from the making of the film can be seen, including the prison bus and the shell of the engine that crashed into the bus. Uh, it's next. Uh, Dillsborough is next to the town of Sil- uh, Sylvia, where the local hospital we use for filming the hospital scenes at the beginning of the film and the ambulance getaway. We are going to have to take a road trip, That's my friend. Awesome. That's a lot of stuff. Can you mind. imagine being on the uh, on the train? You know, just riding right? around, and it's like a it's like it's like a movie buff's dream. You know what I mean? Right? And it's a dinner car. So <laughs> right <laughs> there, you go. Dinner in the show. Um. Let's see here. Um, okay, this is a, the next thing I'll talk about. Let me see if there's anything else here about the locomotive real quick. Uh, yes. The uh, locomotive wrecked was a former Norfolk and Western EMD GP30 530 slicked C slash N 27369. For you tre- uh, train buffs out there. Right. <laughs> true, true. Uh, it was purchased uh, out of the deadline of retired engines in the former Virginia Railway South Yard in Roanoke, Virginia, where it had been stored uh, by 1992. It was repainted into the scheme of the fictional Illinois Southern Railroad, but kept its original road number. The crash was filmed on the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad near Dillsboro, North Carolina. Hmm. Um, we were talking about... Um, uh, the real, um, where did I go? Here it is. No, the real the, Richard Kimball. No, uh, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, well, no, no, not the real Richard Kimball. Oh, what okay. I'm saying is the guy that played uh, in the original television series. Oh, Richard okay. Kimball. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was played by David Jansen um, in the original fusion of 1963. His mother, Bernice Jansen, is an extra in the courtroom scene. You can spot her behind Harrison Ford's head when they play the nine one one call and when he is declared guilty she is whispering with another woman. Huh. So they actually did a little throwback to her. Here's
1: a here's a little interesting fact about the original fugitive. So That you've time- never seen. That I've never seen But I know this fact
0: So uh, I think you th- make up your facts Some of the time <laughs> In an alternate universe This is an actual fact So um,
1: <laughs> This is a at, at at tea time, fact <laughs> at, at the time uh, It wasn't common for Television shows to End To have you know Um you know, the whole season finale type thing, just because um, at the time they believed that viewers didn't like to see things end. So uh, the original show was one of uh, uh, the few shows to actually end around that time that actually had a kind of a rush. But it did have an ending because um, they're like, we, we have to give an ending to this just to see where, you know, what happens to them. Um, but the show is just supposed to keep going and end
0: like out of nowhere. Um, like most television shows around that time, but it was actually one of the few that finished. Hmm. All right, and this is this was this this I think was probably one of the most interesting things out of this whole thing that I found. The parade scene, the, the St. Patrick's Day parade. Yep, uh, it's not scripted. Um, there was a later a late addition to Andrew Davis. Um, oh yeah, they did. That a native of Chicago. Actual- he said he really wanted to capture the parade and was granted permission from the mayor's office to film the day of the parade. The entire sequence was shot with a hand-held cam. Without rehearsal, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones went out into the crowd and did their thing, with camera operators running around trying to keep up. Ford observed that since his character was keeping a low profile, it meant he himself didn't stand out much and lasted several minutes in the crowd before he was being recognized. Yep. Also, um... He they, he did get permission to walk with the plumbers union. He's like we didn't want uh, we didn't stage anything. I just inserted myself in the middle of the parade. <laughs> so Terence, take it away. Tell me what you think of the fugitive. So this
1: is an excellent, I would say, action uh, mystery action, a- thriller. Action thriller. Um, yeah, let's put it in action thriller. Um, very excellent action thriller movie. Um, if either of those two things are your vibe, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's a very good movie based off a good book based off actual events. <laughs> right. It, you know, it, it comes full circle. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, and then amazing performance by Tommy Lee Jones. Like, obviously, you know, Harrison Ford, great performance. Um, but but this is and, p- like some peak Tommy Lee Jones right
0: and, and I'm sure we probably played it in the trailer for this movie at the beginning. But if not, that speech where he gives when he pulls up on the scene and he's oh, like, well, I'm yeah. taking over now. And then he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, our fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. You know, he's been on the road for two hours. We need to set up this square radius of seven miles. He's like, I want to check every outhouse, uh, hen house, dog house, (laughs) warehouse. You know, it's one of the greatest quotes of this movie. It's it's so good. Right. And that's why I was going to superimpose and say our fugitive's name. is. I was going to have Tommy Lee Jones (laughs) be and say Terrence Davis. You know, it's like (laughs) we need to check every warehouse, outhouse around this Indiana for him. But, uh, yeah, man, this movie, uh, it's just something. And it holds up. It does. Um, um, I just watched it again. And, and, and to watch it, the even Harrison Ford's performance, I mean, you just see him with that. You can tell that, you know, he's sitting in that police station. And he's like, they're asking him questions. And then, you know, he's not really. He's like, my wife's dead. You know, I mean, she died in my yeah, arms. Yeah. And you see the blood still on his shirt. And then he's like, and then all of a sudden he stops. He's like, you think I killed my wife? Yeah. And he's like, well, wait a minute. You said that. You know, you came up with that. You know what I mean? And just to see how everything that he goes through, like, um, and you know what? He's even playing with Tommy Lee Jones. You know, he calls him and he says, hey, look, this is Richard Kimball. And he's yeah. like, I didn't kill my wife. He's like, but I'm on real close to finding out who did or whatever. And, you know, they hear the trolley bells or whatever. Yep. And they're like, hey, those trolley bells, you know, they, they don't have them. And wherever he was, the crash happened. He's like, he's back at the city, you know. He's, exactly. like, he's in their city. And then just the whole when he, when he starts going through and he starts crossing off the one-armed man names, you know, he went yep. through the computer and he wrote down, like, the 20 names. Like, he calls one of them's mom and said that he had died, like, three years ago, so he crosses him off the list, you know, and he just, the methodical way he did it. And then another touching scene is when um, he's in the hospital, and I think this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. He's in the hospital, you know what I mean, and they're they're crowded, and they will that boy up, and he's like, he can't breathe. Oh, you know what I mean, yeah, and yeah. and he comes up to him, and and, and uh, he, he, he decides and, to jump in, right? And he, he, the one guy just looks, uh, holds up the X-rays or whatever, you know. And, and or they didn't even look at their X-rays. They say, "Hey, he just needs to go. Uh, he can wait. He can go somewhere else." Yeah. And Harrison Ford, you know, and see, they're like wheeling him down to this other room or whatever. And Harrison Ford, you know, he t- he stops up the chart, chart. And he looks up here and he looks up there at the thing, and and, and he uh, story starts with him. He wheels him right past to like emergency surgery, and he's like, "Hey, this kid's got a whatever it was." You know what I mean? Yeah. And if he wouldn't have got him in there it would have killed him. Yep. And I think that shows, you know, and I think even when the nurse, uh, even though she, she cause she calls him out, she's like, Hey, where's yeah. this kid? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, well, uh, and they call the security tells on him.
1: her. Uh, initially when they bump into each other, she tells him to take him to, uh, she's like, Oh, take him to, you know, wherever. And then he's like, okay. And then that's when he looked at the chart and then she bumps into him again. And then she's like, that patient never made it to this location. Instead, they ended up here. Like, why were you looking at the chart? And he's like, "Oh, it's just a hobby of mine. Right. Can, like, look at charts."
0: It um, calls for security. Yeah, and
1: that—that's when like it all just kind of like seems suspicious to her. Right. So then she
0: calls. Uh, so security. then I yeah. think after a while, you know, she starts thinking about it, you know, and uh, you know he's got a couple of friends on the inside too. But what it comes down to, and this is going to be the spoiler, but the ending is actually. Like, one of his friends, his family friends, is right, actually the, put, the like, the hit, put the hit the out thing. on, basically, you know, yeah. on his wife or whatever. Or It was supposed to be him, I think. You know it was what I mean? supposed
1: and, to be him instead.
0: And he's the one that hired, yeah. like, the one-armed man. And, you know, and he calls the guy. He's like, look, he's still here. You know what I mean? Well, um, because
1: uh, um, Dr. Kimball was the only thing sort of standing in the way to him and selling a multi-million dollar product, basically. Right. Um uh to which the uh, i don't remember his name but the you know the villain of the show the antagonist which you don't even know until pretty much the very end um uh uh he had tampered with some of the test results right uh, so then they it, switched it, them out it, yeah exactly switched them out so it all looked good um when in all actuality it was a a, a harmful drug.
0: Right. And, and another great scene of this which we didn't even talk about is the 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 dam scene where uh Tommy oh, Lee yeah. and he's chasing There's him and, and he is stuck, dude. He's like how about two hundred yards up in the air. Yeah. Um like at the other side of a dam and he's like Richard and he's like he's like, Look, he drops the gun, he's like, Look, I didn't kill my wife and Tommy Lee Jones says i don't care
1: so you see he's I like turn around it. you
0: know put your hands behind you so he turns around he's like richard I, you know maybe she so you see he's like don't do anything stupid and he turns around man and he just jumps off that dam. you know what i mean and so then you see tommy lee jones how dedicated he is he's like i want this river you know swept or everything and i said you know he's probably swept away by the current and drowned he's like did you find a the body they're like no he's like well then you keep searching because he's out there so, you know so
1: this I mean? is where i wanted to jump in and that, that, that This movie is a great showcase of not only cat and mouse, but two really intelligent characters portraying this whole cat and mouse chase. I mean, you have uh, Dr. Kimball, who is all intelligent in his own right, and he does all this stuff about just being a doctor, but then uh, you know, everybody uh, basically gives to his credit that he's a very, very intelligent person, and he kind of gets done what he puts his mind to. And then you have uh, the, the U.S. Marshal... Um, who is renowned for doing his job very well and also um, very by the book but uh, you know and, and very uh, uh, tenacious in in his chase and it shows on both sides like all the stuff you were highlighting with uh, dr Kimball um, doing all those things showing you know he was intelligent and compassionate but then you also have you know Tommy Lee Jones's character um, who the damn scene is a great example where uh, it shows his intelligence of the job. You're like, okay, just because he jumped doesn't mean... I, I won't believe it until I see a body. So let's find that body.
0: Well, not only that, but when another... You know, it's like a chess game because yeah. not only when he calls and he says, look, I didn't kill my wife or whatever... And he hears that bell, or, or yep. whoever hears that bell, he's like, take take the audio out, you know. And then the the, the, the conductor saying something, you know what I mean? Yep. And they tell they give the actual name of the the street or whatever, you yep. know what I mean? He's like, that's right up like two blocks up the road. Yep. And they all jump out and start running, you know so what that, I mean? It's that, just, that just shows you know this whole cat and mouse, right? So even though Harrison Ford's calling him, you know, he's he's like, oh well, this is not like this. And then Harrison Ford, you know, I gotta you know hide in the leaves or whatever, you know yep. what I mean? Just this the whole thing. And another thing we didn't, you know we didn't hit either was when the train crashes, he actually saves one of the guys that oh, pulls yeah, him yeah. out. You know what I mean? And, um, he saves the, the security, one of the security right. guards on, and the, on you the know, bus. Uh, and is, I mean, he takes the handcuffs and runs away after that, but yeah. I'm just saying it shows that cause, cause he was hurt and he couldn't get out of the, the, the train. Yeah. And it shows that he, you know, he puts him over and he almost cost him his life. Cause when he jumps off the train, yep. but it just shows you like that, you see the, the caring side of him, like you have that, even everything he's went through, he saves that guy. He saves the kid. You know what I mean, yeah. and I just think that he was all around a good guy. Oh yeah, for sure. And and then, but the way they got there was fantastic.
1: Absolutely, and I I think um, even it shows that uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character changed a little bit in the end because you know throughout the, the the movie you can see that like he just wants to do his job. He doesn't care whether he's innocent or guilty, um, and then you know it shows that that damn scene. Or you know he's like I didn't kill my wife, and he's just like I don't care, right? And he really doesn't. He does. He just wants um, to do his job exactly. And then I think that's when you know at the very end when he takes off the handcuffs and gives him you know some ice, and there's no words exchanged, but you know there's this sort of mutual respect. But that also shows that he does care a little,
0: but he won't come out and say it. Right. <laughs> and not only that, but but to me, I wish it would have, um, I wish it would have ended, uh, give give giving me a little bit more. You know, what I mean, like 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 uh, like a like a post down the road a little bit, you know what I mean? Just something like maybe just even words to say, "Hey, Dr. Richard Kimball was, you know, yeah. charged with this or whatever, um, you know, but they, they ended it right there. Maybe even where uh, Kimball and him had a, I don't want to say a friendship, but like a respect for each other, you know, yeah, like yeah. meeting at the courthouse or something at the end, just another little bit more dialogue. I would have liked to sing that, but I think it ended fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's still great. It just shows a cop car walking or driving away. So, in the um, end,
1: we both really enjoyed
0: this movie. Man, it's a great movie, and I love <laughs> Harrison Ford movies anyway. You know, not oh, yeah. just on Solo, but I mean, A Witness. I mean, you got Clear and Present Danger. You've got Frantic. You've got a bunch of mo- uh, Blade Runner. I oh, mean, yeah. you've just been in a lot of stuff. Um, so, well, I think this episode's coming down to a close. Um, don't forget, you can check us out on uh, thetragedyofcinema@gmail.com if you want to send us uh, any uh, comments. Uh, leave us a review if you haven't left us a review yet. Uh, we're on Apple Podcast, Google uh, P- Google Play Podcast, whatever it is. A
1: little bit on Google Play. So um, I know Terrence
0: is a Google guy.
1: Yeah. So uh, that whole platform, I guess, is switching over. to they, They're just dumping everything into YouTube. Um,
0: but see, they, they got a new thing out called Google Podcast now too that we're on. Um, yeah, that's right So, so uh, I think I downloaded. Yeah, it's called Google Podcast. Yep. So- Google Music has which
1: which consisted of podcasts and everything else had split into two entities they they made podcast its own thing, so it's now Google podcast, and everything else like music and everything else um, is now moved over to youtube so uh any music that you had or anything that's now on youtube the the youtube music app um and then podcasts have now gone to Google. Uh, podcast.
0: Right. So there's that. Um, also if you haven't checked out our merchandise store, I know, uh, Patty Dawn fields bought a coffee mug. Um, I told her to go ahead and throw it up there on the Facebook, show us a picture of it when she got it, uh, delivered. Uh, but that's on Redbubble, bubble B U B B L E. Um, you can see we got shower curtains, um, uh, I haven't got the Terrence toilet paper in there. No, I'm <laughs> but, but, there's all kinds of different stuff: sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, t-shirts, um, some mugs, mug, everything, uh, water bottles,
1: coffee, uh, tumbler.
0: Right. Uh, there's like artwork you can hang on your wall. There's puzzles. We can be a puzzle. A blanket. A bl- yeah. <laughs> a fleece. It's, it's it's uh, the cold days are coming. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, and like I said, I'll put in the, uh, the, uh, the interviews that I found here at the end. So I'm going to pause here for a second so I can have a little space so I can edit it. So I'm going to pause right here real quick.
4: Tommy, this is the sanest we've seen you in quite a while. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your character? Still on the
3: edge, but very sane. Um, tell you about my character uh, in The Fugitive. His, his name is Samuel Girard. And um, he's um, chasing um, the star of the show, uh, played by uh, Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison's the star of the show, and the character he's playing is um, a a disenfranchised uh, doctor, a decent American citizen who finds himself suddenly without a country, um, burdened with the quest of proving his innocence.
4: What about what about uh, Gerard? What is I mean? What is his what is his arc? Where is he going? What does he want?
3: He wants to catch the fugitive.
4: So when you when you as an actor when you prepare for this role, it is he is an obsessive character, uh, no? Oh sure, yeah, he's uh, dedicated to his work. But did you hang out with, uh, with with marshals, with federal marshals, or how did you? Did there were you some. There were some marshals who visited the set. You could um,
3: watch them. You could see how they moved and talked and thought, and how they felt, what was how they, what was on their mind, um, and from moment to moment. Uh, you could see that. I, I didn't, uh, pers- you know, run around with them. Uh, you know. See what their day's work was like. I didn't do very much of that. I didn't find it very you know, useful to the film. It, it wasn't really difficult to uh,
4: see how they looked. What about the actual part itself? I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a very physical part. Um, did you did you, did you do the stunts yourself? Yes. Do you enjoy doing the stunts?
3: No, I mean, I don't care who does a stunt. It's, not, it's of no consequence to me. What I care about is the uh, results. I care what it looks like on film. Uh, so I will um, do most of them. I'll do anything I'm capable of. Um, and, the clo- you know, and the closer the camera gets, or uh, the long- bigger the lens, the, the, the more I'm going to do. Uh, but it's mainly just uh, in the interest of, um, you know, good cinema. Uh, on this movie, I did um, all of my stunts, uh, as I do on most movies.
4: You know, you really interesting choice of roles. Thank you. Um, and they're all different from each other. How, what, what, what do you look for? What's... What's working in your mind when you look? Well, you look for a good script that's well-made, that you think has a chance
3: of improving the time of the audience. And then you consider who you're working with. Um, It's important to work with good actors and to uh, work with good directors uh, that you know, that you understand, and and that you all are are of a single mind about what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's, That's very important. And then you consider where you're going and um, uh, the the world you're going to enter. The, 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 most movies are made on location. The locations are an important part of movies these days. They're, they not only provide the set, and but they also do a great deal to inform the tone of, of a film and the feeling of it. So you want to give some consideration to the feel of the Location. You want to shoot in places that have something to offer the world.
4: What about for the for the for the character that you're playing? Would you say that sh- shooting in Chicago, would, be, would you would play differently than if you shot it, say, in Phoenix? Oh yeah. Could you elaborate?
3: I don't know. I mean, you ever been to Phoenix? <laughs> Did it remind you of Chicago? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> saying, you know.
4: This is the third time you're working with, with, with Andy Davis. This is not to say that Phoenix is a bad place, but you're not going to be the same
3: person in the same two places. True. Phoenix is a wonderful city.
4: Um, the director. It's your third collaboration with him. Um, have you reached a point where you have to say very little to each other?
3: Oh, we say, you know, I love talking to Andy. We have a lot of things that we talk about. Um, It doesn't take very long to exchange information on the subject of motion pictures and how to shoot them and what to do with the day's work. It doesn't take very long to get that figured out. And we can exchange a lot of information with a relatively small number of words, and that helps. But we talk about other things also. Schools for children, um, sports, music, politics. Um, who's doing what to who on the crew.
4: <laughs> you've Normal stuff. So. You've got two um, um, Oliver Stone projects coming up. Could you tell us briefly a little bit about it? Yeah. there's uh, One movie will be out in December. It's called Heaven
3: and Earth. It's the story of a Vietnamese farm girl who uh, is born in the... Uh, in the 1940s, lives through the war, marries an American GI, comes to the United States, and tries to live here. Um, There's um, The next Oliver Stone film that I'm in is called uh, Natural Born Killers, and we're shooting it now. And it's a satire, um, a comedy about a young, struggling couple of serial killers and um, then after that, I'm going to go to uh, Memphis to work on uh, a, b- a movie called The Client, made from John Grisham's book and directed by Joel Schumacher. And then after that, I'm going to Boston to work with my friend Jeff Bridges on a movie about um, urban terrorism called
4: uh, Blown Away. Perfect. So we'll be seeing you quite a bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, if all these movies come out at the same time, we might be seeing me too much. I hope
5: not. (laughs) Thank you very much. movie here ever does? Really? Because he's... Well, he's he's done it all now. He's a good guy, yeah. yeah. He can't do any more movies after that. ruined Ronald Reagan's career. Well, he's done all good parts, though, so... Okay.
4: Three, two, one. It's yours.
5: Did your body ever send a telegram to your brain during this that... Are we back doing this running thing again? (laughs)
2: Um, It seems to be a a consistent element in the films that I do, that there's a physical aspect to it. Um, People keep remarking on the amount of physical action in this film. I don't really remember it that
5: way. Um,
2: But I guess there is a lot of
5: action. Maybe it's stretched out over making it in the movie, but we see you in the water, we see you run down a hall. I mean, you're... You're, it's Indiana Jones' uh, physicality, almost, anyway, some of the places they put you. You're jumping off a dam, being chased by a train. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. And All you, on a day's work. You now, your, your knee got messed up in this? Uh, the
2: third weekend, I tore my, uh, a ligament in my knee, which kind of slowed me down a little bit. So that hobble in one of those scenes was real? A hobble in each of the scenes is real.
5: <laughs> so you didn't have to act too much for that, huh? um, what do the fans, you know, when you, you don't probably have that much contact with fans. I think you try to stay up in the, up in the hills of Wyoming. But what do fans want to know about you if, when you do contact them or they do run into you at the grocery store or something?
2: Gee, I don't know that, there, that there's one consistent thing that, that people are interested in. in. And I think after this period, uh, you know, after this amount of time, people pretty much know the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these questions
5: i wonder if things get brought up what like are you re- doing here what is, are you doing here is here. a good one that's that is something they do ask uh they re-ran the star wars trilogy the other weekend on the mm-hmm. sci-fi channel with carrie fisher and i watched that boy harrison ford that was uh, doing those you mm-hmm. were a uh, pretty young whippersnapper back in 1977 well
2: mm-hmm. i was older than the director and the producer
5: <laughs> it was i was the oldest
2: it. one around other than Alec guinness but it was. I was it. about 35
5: when i did really? that really yeah you looked about like 25, though. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
5: And then when you go back and look at American Graffiti, which I did the other day on LaserDisc, yes. you looked 14. Yeah. <laughs> but you still, you don't look uh, 27 now. No. So you're going backwards. looked and... wonderful. How'd the wife like the beard?
2: Um, she, she lived with it. Didn't uh, annoy her.
5: How did Harrison like the beard?
2: <laughs> well, I sort of liked it because I thought I was getting away with something for a period of time, and then people began to see through it. Hmm.
5: My father was a judge and he always told me, never trust a guy in a bow tie or a beard because they're hiding something. Now, I never knew if that was true, No, but he always kind of carried that. He was a judge in the 40s and 50s, so maybe that's true. Did you ever feel like you were hiding behind something there?
2: No, I'll tell you, the the beard was uh, occasioned by the need to change physically. Uh, The period of of time of the film is about three weeks, Mm -hmm. so there wasn't time to grow a beard for disguise but I could shave one off quickly enough. And I felt that we had to deal with the dramatic obligation to disguise uh, me. And uh, so we went through the beard and the hair dye job, but I didn't want to get into to real disguise stuff and
5: for fear of me, it looked like a Peter Sellers movie. Uh, I love the Fugitive television show. I still watch it. Mm-hmm. It comes on every afternoon on the A&E channel. Mm-hmm. still watch it all the time. I love Jansen. I thought he was a great actor. I was with him the last day of the Fugitive. He was in Columbus, Georgia, shooting the Green Beret with John Wayne oh. and I was a kid. and I was happened to be there at the Camellia Motel and saw him that day. and That was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of the television show? Did you ever watch it?
2: I can't say I really was. It was on at the same time as the Gary Moore show and the Craft uh, Mystery Hour or something. and then Those,
5: those mm-hmm. won at my house. But you you stayed away from really on purpose watching any of the old series so you could totally fresh for you? Yes, I did.
2: Uh, I felt that I should
5: make the character
2: up out of the elements of this particular story um, and not um,
5: imitate Mm -hmm. David Mm Jansen's success. The director did a great job. I mean, the same things he did in this movie, I mean... It obviously has a lot of action, but there's a, there's good action, and there's bad action, mm-hmm. and he was uh, he had it down. I mean, having these things, trains chasing you, and stuff like that. I mean, what's Andrew Davis? He just kind of the new whiz kid in Hollywood with action.
2: Well, Andy's been around for uh, long enough to serve his uh, apprenticeship, apprenticeship. And, uh, and knows well how to make a movie. Uh, I think he um, uh, is particularly gifted in, in the visual aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this case, he's not only managed that end uh, very successfully, but he's balanced the two ends of the story, uh, my character against Tommy Lee Jones' character, uh, very successfully, I think.
5: I asked this question to Julia Roberts not long ago, and she got married because of it. But I'm going to find out something on here. I don't think anything that Wiles can do. I asked result. her who her favorite country person was, if she listened to country music, and she said she liked Lyle Lovett. Lyle saw it, and he married her, and the rest is history. Uh, what is your musical taste? Uh, it
2: runs the gamut. I like uh, everything from classical to country and, and a good deal in between.
5: What do you play on the radio when you're in the truck or car?
2: You know, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding music on the radio these days.
5: <laughs> a lot of people our age are having that problem. We listen yeah. to oldies a lot. Yeah. In fact, the kids know all the words to Volari. My seven year old knows Volari and The Lion Sleeps <laughs> Tonight, and there's something not quite right about that. Since, uh, but I like it, I'm glad. So you listening to oldie Station song? Huh? Yeah,
0: I'm
2: that, and, and I do like country music. I, l- I listen to a lot of country music.
5: Okay. Uh, what about you would you consider or others would say was eccentric? What would your wife say about you as eccentric? Is there anything you do that just bugs her?
2: I'm a neat uh, I'm very obsessive about having everything in its place. That drives her crazy. Is that everything, like
5: in the car? Everything. Everything? Everything. Are the kids neat <laughs> No. No. No, no. I uh, know. <laughs> you know, I'm, this is a trend, by the way. I don't know if you realize, you're not that unusual for a guy. Most people think we guys are sloppy, and I was when I was a kid. But as I got older, I became a neat-nick, and a lot of the ladies are not as neat, and a lot of my children, I can't make them neat. We're the only neat-nicks in the house, and uh, that's kind of interesting. Well, I, I wish you success. Yes, it doesn't work. It <laughs> Thank you
2: again. It's for you, you. you Thank you. Bye. Thanks.
0: All right, so there you have it. You heard from Tommy Lee Jones and you heard from Harrison Ford. If I found him again, if not, he just got me again looking stupid. So. <laughs> but, Terrence, since you picked this movie, I have already decided what we're doing next week. Well, if you show up or next yeah. month, whenever you show back <laughs> up again. But I want to do one of my childhood favorites. And it's been a minute since I watched it, so bear with me. And the remake was terrible. But we are going to do the original Clash of the Titans. I it is times. Time. All right, yeah. It is time. Um I don't know if you've ever seen it, the, I've original? Seen the original. Okay. Um I was also disappointed by The remake. The remake. We'll <laughs> talk about all that next week because <laughs> it was terrible. But uh yeah, so be, uh, if you haven't watched the Clash of the Titans, go ahead and check that movie out. Um so we do that, but Cuz we will spoil it oh well, we're gonna man it's such a good movie and that, that well, well I ain't gonna say yeah, it yeah, because yeah. I could go on for an hour about what I'm about to say about Medusa so, we, right, so we next just, episode's
1: well, gonna go really long <laughs>
0: <laughs> well good because after three months of absence you think you're go along so well uh, this episode's coming you got any final thoughts any terrencisms or anything like or... fugitive if you haven't and for some reason made it this far <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and please tell your friends tell your family uh, tell an enemy we don't care just keep keep everybody listen uh, but that's a wrap on this show and cut, cut.